Right on radio. Right on radio. Good morning, Patriots. I have an amazing Patriot here with me this morning, Frank De Verona. Frank is an educator, a historian, a journalist, and an internationally known expert on Hispanic contributions to the United States politics, economics, foreign affairs, and national security issues. Frank was born in Cuba in 1943. He came to study an Admiral Fugat Academy in St. Petersburg, Florida, when he was only 14, and he graduated in 1960. At age 17, he participated in the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961 to eradicate communism in Cuba. After spending two years in prison, he was tortured along with other prisoners of war. He then returned to the United States where he earned his BA in political science and economics. He also earned a certificate in Latin American studies, a master's in social studies, and a specialist in educational administration and supervision. He is married and has a daughter and a grandson. Frank worked as an escort of Spanish-English interpreter in the Division of Languages of the Department of State in 1966 and 1968. He traveled with and served with served as an interpreter to many Latin American officials who were invited to visit America by the State Department and Agency for the International Development, AID. Professor Dave Verona has an extraordinary successful career in the Miami-Dade school systems as a social studies teacher, educational coordinator, and assistant principal. He's also the principal of an adult education center, a middle school, and a high school, religion super, excuse me, region superintendent, associate superintendent of instruction, and interim deputy superintendent of schools. As associate superintendent of instruction, he supervised adult centers, vocational schools, magnet schools, community schools, radio, and television. Channel 17 of the board, Frank De Verona was also responsible for the pre-K and adult vocational curriculum. He served as a Associate Professor of Social Studies in the College of Education of Florida International University for seven and a half years. Frank has written over 28 books and over 500 articles in newspapers, magazines, and several websites, including Freedom Synergy, bwcentral.org, and many others. He is also a contributor on PatriotsPerspective.com, where we will be hosting his articles. He has also been interviewed by the Miami Herald, as with many other Miami magazines and newspapers. Frank has written amazing books that I have personally read that I have on my coffee table, and I saw no better opportunity than to to interview Frank regarding his views on Bay of Pigs, the entire communist invasion of Cuba, and where we are today. While all of Frank's views and my views may not be exactly the same, nor that may they be views of PatricksPerspective.com, I enjoy hearing views from everybody, especially people who are well-read and very well-educated and well-traveled and who have spent some time in prison, such as Frank. And press Professor Dave Verona, 
is more than welcome to express his views here on Patriot's Perspective, and I hope that you enjoy listening to them. Right on, right on, right on. Oh, wait, hold on just a second. Uh, Frank. <laughs> so, Frank, I'm notorious for mispronouncing people's last names. De Barona. De, de Barona. <laughs> de, D-E, it's in Spanish, it's De. De, de Barona. Barona. De, de Barona. Or just call me Frank, and then you can miss I, I just call you Frank. Call me Frank, and I'll call you Christian. <laughs> okay, fine. wonderful. Hello, everyone. We're so happy that you're joining us here today on Patriot's Perspective. As you know, Patriot's Perspective is a platform where we listen to all opinions, and for, especially those who have been in communist com- communist countries and who have experienced and investigated communism from the deepest levels. So I cannot think of anyone better to have on with me today than Frank De Verona. Frank and I met at a meeting here in Miami. Um, his book is about two inches thick, and it's about the Bay of Pigs and many other things regarding the deep state. Frank, you got a book you can hold up. I actually, I I meant to grab your book off my coffee table and I did not do so. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I have that book on my coffee table. Um, Frank is very, very well written, everyone. And I highly recommend any of his books because- 400 pages long. It is. is. It's basically a manual. I'm going to say this. It's a manual. It has the photographs and everything. A lot of what has been doxxed or censored off of Facebook, YouTube, and Frank, I'm going to post the link down below. So for those of you looking for Frank's books, um, I'm going to put those in the Patriots Perspective Library. And um, I highly recommend that you get these books because it is not just for for Frank's wallet. This, This has nothing to do with that. He does not charge enough for these books, in my opinion. And um, he really wants to get the information out there to people. So, Frank, welcome to Patriot's Perspective. This is the first time you're on, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last. Um, We're going to try to keep it at about an hour today. This broadcast is thankfully going to go on Right On Radio, and we would like to thank Right On Radio and their listeners for taking the opportunity to listen to what Frank has had to say. Um, Frank, tell us where you're originally from and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Christy, thank you so much for uh, for this interview. And uh, I know it's the first one, so I hope it won't be the last one. Uh, I met you, you and your mother, both of you are very impressive, you know, and, um, and you talked the first time I met you uh, to about 30 or 40 people that we had in the audience, and they were very impressed by you. So you're going to have to come and be a speaker <laughs> in a future meeting of us here in, my, in Miami. But yes, uh, I was born in Camagüey, Cuba. It was the third largest city when Cuba only had uh, 6 million people. Uh, I grew up in the 1950s in Cuba, when Cuba was a very prosperous uh, country in Latin America. And uh, in fact, uh, our peso had the same value as the dollar, one-to-one. You could go to the Central Bank of Cuba and say, I have 1 million pesos, and you would get $1 million. My dad was a cattleman. He purchased a lot of cattle from the King Ranch in Texas. So he would go to the bank and say, I need $100,000. 
it will give 100,000 pesos. There was no exchange control in Cuba in the 1950s. We were, uh, uh, we ate more meat per person than the United States in the 1950s of Cuba. And we had more fish per person than people in the United States. We had a lot of radio stations all over the island. We had color TV, I think was number two. Uh, uh, after the United States that uh, we had that. There were many color TV stations in the 50s. It, for a small island with 6 million people, it was at the head of Latin America in prosperity. And then we had Castro lying, saying he was uh, a Democrat. He wanted to uh, get rid of a dictator that we have a name of Fulgencio Batista, bring back the Constitution 1940. And then we had uh, Herbert Matthews uh, from the New York Times that made Castro into a hero. And you know about the New World Order, you know the New York Times is the voice of the Council of Foreign Relations, one of the main global institutions that we have in the United States, together with the uh, uh, Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Groups, Skull and Bones, you know, uh, a bunch of them that we have here uh, in the United States, which I, of course, in this book, I, I mentioned it in great detail. But anyway, so uh, that prosperous island became uh, totally uh, ruined economically when communism come to a country you have shootings on the wall over 30,000 people in cuba have been shot on the wall you have lots of people that go to prison over 300,000 people in that tiny island has been to prison including myself my brother my cousins because of course i invaded cuba the bay of pigs tried to overthrow the government and we were captured and sent it to 30 years of hard labor but right. anyway can i, can I all ask of that you changed for the worse yeah. okay can i ask you a question because a lot of people don't know what the bay of pigs is you know we have to remember we've you've been you've been in cuba you've lived this out and many of us in under our education here in the united states i didn't know all about this until you and i met until i started reading your books can, so can you explain to our listeners what the bay of pigs is just in case they're new to this of course i'll, I'll be happy to do that christy um communism entered cuba in 1959 uh, Fidel Castro never said he was a communist. In fact, two years or three years after he's in power, he finally says on December 2nd, 1961, I have always been a communist since the day I entered the University of Havana, which was in 1948. Uh, but he lied to the Cuban people. And uh, once he's in power, then of course, a lot of the Cuban people found out he was a communist, but by that time it's too late. You know, the first thing they did take away all the weapons but that's why we have to protect the Second Amendment in America. Under no circumstances can we give our weapons away. If we do, we lose. Because the Second Amendment, as you well know, is to protect us from a tyrannical government in Washington. It's not to defend ourselves from enemy nations, but to defend ourselves from our own government. Which in the, right now, we need to defend ourselves of the government in Washington, which, as you know, is predominantly Marxist, dominated by Marxism. But anyway, going back to Cuba, uh, Cuba then uh, becomes a communist nation. Then the Eisenhower administration de decides that they want to do regime change in Cuba. So they, on March of 1960, the Eisenhower administration says, okay, we want to do re regime change. Let's start training anti-Castro Cubans uh, in the United States. Uh, uh, actually, we did not train here, but they began recruiting us here. Uh, and they send us to Guatemala to be trained. I was a student together with my older brother. First of all, I graduated from, uh, I came to study in the United States when I was 14 years old. 
and this is 1957. Well, I first went... of all, Frank, before you go, before you get to the United States, I want to ask a couple of questions. So what similarity, similarities do you see then, like at that point in Cuba, like when the, the takeover really happened? What similarities do you see then and now? A lot of similarities. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm having a rerun of the, of the pictures in Cuba, what's happening here in the United States, you know. We have a uh, cancel culture. We, we are teaching communism in all of our schools. We teach uh, uh, the two uh, teachers union, the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association are run by communists. So what are we teaching our, our students in government schools or public schools? Well, we're teaching critical race theories, how whites uh, are superior to blacks. Blacks are, uh, have to you know, rebel against the white. We're teaching a division. Uh, we're teaching uh, the Black Lives Matter pre-K uh, 12 curriculum. And by the way, we're teaching that right here in Miami-Dade County Public Schools. We don't go yes, that we far. Are. Yes, we, we are. Yeah, we teach it with videos. You know, they have denied right here. And by, by the way, I worked 36 years in the Miami the County Public Schools, all the way to Deputy Superintendent Schools. So I really know the school system well, but it wasn't the, the school system today is not the school system where I worked several years ago. And then I became a professor of social studies at Florida International University for seven and a half years. But going back to the school system right in Miami, they are teaching through videos in kindergarten, pre-K-3, uh, upper elementary grades, middle school and high school, communism. They don't call openly, it that. Openly, yes, they But are. it is communism that we're teaching, not only here, throughout the United States. They did that in Cuba, too. As soon as they took over, they began teaching communism because once we lose the young people, once we make them communists, it's over for our nation here, <coughs> excuse me, in the United States. It's totally over. Okay, Frank, That's let me ask similarity you, right there. If, you were, if you were a teacher <coughs> teaching this right now, can you give, let's, I love to give action items as we're going through the mm -hmm. interview. What would you do if you, you know, if you were teaching in Miami-Dade school system right now, what would you, what would you do? What would you change? I would not use those videos, of course. They're all communist videos. And now, as you well know, our great governor, Ron DeSantis, he has banned through an executive order the teaching of critical race theory. So they are violating that right here in this district, which happens to be the fourth largest district in America. And there's a bill in Tallahassee about to become law that any parents can sue any, there are 67 school districts in Florida because we have 67 counties. Uh, any parent can sue a school district that's teaching communism to their students. So if the day county public school doesn't change, get ready for lawsuits, okay? Because there, there will be a lot of lawsuits right. going to cost them a lot of money. And, and that's an excellent thing that DeSantis is doing with that particular law. And, and we have to utilize that as citizens. Um, so we just can't sit back and let Governor DeSantis, you know, create these yeah. mandates or laws or, you know, our, we actually have to utilize them because yes. it is such a strong force. Um, so I want to encourage any, you know, I gave a story and I'm not going to go into the milk story with my daughter. You can actually go back and listen to that at some prior interviews. But you have to stand up for what you believe in in the school system and go to the school board meetings to stop it. Um, the other thing, Frank, is that they are also, um, I would like to say, while you're 
while you're talking about the Miami-Dade school system, there are a list of books that parents have found that are not only not only communism, but they're also promoting sexual identity. Absolutely. And I'm talking about things that I will not even say here on air regarding books that are being read um, to our school children that are absolutely unacceptable, that they would make any adult blush. Um, so you need to know what's going on in the school system. You need to know what's being taught and be prepared to pull your children out because every school system, they get money for every child that's left in. So please consider, you know, pulling yourself children out to homeschool them for the time being. So Frank, okay, let's Absolutely. continue on. We are teaching pornography also, not only here, but throughout Florida. And uh, right now, as you know, uh, uh, this, the legislature has passed a new law that we cannot be discussing gender issues from kindergarten to grade three. The Biden administration called that an anti-gay law, which is not. It, kindergarten kids no. have no business being taught about transgender, and that's in the curriculum. So that's right. a, a good step to stop that. But it's much worse in California, Christy. In California, where all the bad things begin, uh, they may have uh, women, I mean, men dressed as women, reading gay gay books to kids in kindergarten and in pre-k yes they do yeah, drag they queens do. reading hour. and then they're teaching horrendous things it's much worse in california in washington in new york it is so bad in california not only they're teaching uh, all all of those things uh, that are being pushed by the, the the gay agenda but they are also teaching communism so we're graduating kids in California that are Marxist and are sexually confused children. And they did a study at the University of California and it revealed, listen to this, 24% of the high school students in California are unhappy with their gender. That is one out of every every four, no, every five. Yeah, yeah, one out of every Astounding, astounding yeah. that amount. And in, in New York, they teach that you can choose among maybe 17 different genders. Boy and girl is just two. And you can choose to be, uh, you know, transgender, this and that and the other. And there they did a study and 17% of the students in New York are unhappy with their gender. So we are graduating Marxist, sexually confused students. If that's, Frank, not, if that's I, not the I, end of the United States, I don't know what would be. I, I agree with you. And I, would, I just want to say to everybody that's listening here, because this is a this audience that we have, it's the very, you know, we, everyone is either pretty awake or already woken up for like a couple of years, you know, like they know they've been investigating. So one, one thing I want to say is one of the ways we can combat this is we all know that there's algorithms online and they're asking like what your gender is. Just say, you don't know, you'd rather not say, don't let them know what your gender is or put down one of those like genders they want to hear. They want to know that you're like, messy and confused because what that does is it makes your content rank in the algorithms because they're like yeah we want this person so make sure that you do that because we can also there are things we can do to combat what what the enemy is trying to do right now so frank i want to get back to your move from from cuba well first of all i want to get back to your training you said that they sent you guys to guatemala to train what did that mean what does training mean yes um well, well I, um, I graduated from high school when I was 16 years old. 
And then I went to Georgia Tech to become an engineer with my older brother, who was two years older than me. And then in mid-March of 1961, we came to see our parents that were living in Miami Beach at the time. And both of us announced that we wanted to go and fight to overthrow the communist government of Cuba. Uh, and we were aware of that because we had a relative who was used to be prime minister of Cuba, minister of labor, president of the Senate, and he was an, an anti-communist uh, democratic leader in Cuba. So we knew through him that there were these camps in Guatemala. We already had friends there. I even had a, a first cousin that was there already. So, um, well, my father let my brother go because he was 19, but he did not want me to go. I was 17. I needed his written permission. So my brother left and my father said, you cannot go. You're 17. I'm not going to let you go. So I fought my dad for about a week. Said, I'm not going to go back to Georgia Tech. I'll sit here on my life watching TV. And at the end of the week, I won. And then he signed. And then I joined my brother. Now, at the time I arrived in Guatemala, <clears throat> it was up in the hills of Guatemala. Uh, we landed in, a, in a, the CIA had built an airstrip in a city called Retabuleo in Guatemala. That's where we had our Air Force being trained. The CIA had asked for 24 B-26s, and we received only, uh, they received only 16. B That's a World War II light bomber, the B-26. <clears throat> and those were, were going to, our pilots were being trained by Alabama National Guardsmen <clears throat> who had those steel planes back in 61. They were the only, the only place in the United States that were still having those, those World War II uh, light bombers. So we were trained, our pilots were trained by these pilots on the Alabama National Guard. <clears throat> and there was a general that headed that group. Uh, anyway, so by the time I arrived, uh, it was April 1st, Easter Sunday. I remember distinctly it was Easter Sunday, but I only had 13 days of training. Although <clears throat> I, at Amira Farrago, of course, I, I would shoot rifles there for three years. I went to four summer camps. In the United States, where I, I took rifle you know, shooting, my dad had a ranch where my brother and I would always be shooting birds or whatever. So I, I was an excellent shooter. In fact, I was the best shooter in my company when I was training in Guatemala. But I only had 13 days of training because on April 13, 1961, they flew the 1,500 of us from Guatemala to uh, Puerto Cabezas, Nicaragua, that the government of Nicaragua has allowed the CIA to use that port, which is on the, on the Atlantic coast, for our obsolete World War II cargo ships, Liberty type, to never be used for an invasion. Those older ships, you know, they were impossible to use. But anyway, so um, they were in Puerto Cabezas. And also they had an Air Force base there for our B-26s. But the problem was that the Eisenhower developed plan which was approved by the Joint Chief of Staff and by the CIA, was completely changed by President Kennedy because he had a bunch of globalists in his administration that did not want us to invade Cuba and topple the communist government. The worst one was Dean Ross, Secretary of State, that for 10 years, he was the head of the Rockefeller Foundation, and he didn't care what Kennedy said. He followed whatever David Rockefeller told him to do. But not only was he a globalist who did not want us to win, did not even want us to invade Cuba, there were other globalists in the Kennedy administration, like the Bondi brothers, uh, who were in charge of the National Security Council of the Kennedy White House. You had Arthur Threshing Jr. You had a bunch of globalists, all of them professors from Harvard, 
leftist professor, maybe some of them socialists or perhaps Marxists, and those gave horrible advice to President Kennedy. So all the plans that have been prepared but unapproved by the Joint Chief of Staff were completely changed. If they had not changed those plans, we could have won. The invasion was going to take place in the city of Trinidad. Well, let me just tell you, my grandfather, Frank, um, just for those who are just listening in, because I've waited, I've I've not shared this information too much, um, but my grandfather actually worked for the Secret Service um, or as an Army attache in the State Department, not Secret Service, sorry, but Army attache was his formal title. Uh, we don't really know what part, you know, we never know if if he worked, you know, whatever parts. But we do know he did tell my father that he had intercepted. He did all the Morse code decoding for President Kennedy and he had presidential access. He was the one who actually called President Kennedy um, regarding the invasion of Cuba before Fidel took over. So I grew up, I never understood why my grandfather, he was, I always got really upset, anything Cuba. And, you know, growing up, you know, I always thought, well, he, you know, is it like something to do with the Cuban people? Like, is it because they came to America? Like, I never understood what it was, but the reality was he was very upset that President Kennedy, he felt that whatever it was did not, was not implemented. Yes, well, they, if they had not changed the plans at Christie, we could have won because number one, Trinidad had a most of the population was anti-Castro, uh, so they could have joined us. We had enough weapons for 15,000 soldiers aboard our ships. They were already rebels, anti-Castro rebels fighting in the mountains of the Escambray Mountains, which is at the foot of, of the city of Trinidad. They would have come down and joined us. Only two roads led to Havana. Uh, they had piers for our obsolete ships to unload all the uh, weapons that we were carrying. Uh, the Bay of Pigs was a very wrong place to go because there are no piers. It was impossible for us to unload uh, uh, the, the weapons that we had if there are no piers. So uh, unfortunately, the plan was drastically changed. The plan also incorporated five air attacks to Cuba prior to the day which was April 17, 1961. On April the 15th, uh, there was to, to, be, to be a surprise air attack using the 16 B-26 of the Brigade Air Force. By the way, our brigade was called Assault Brigade 2506. That is a full name. Uh, we do have a museum in Miami, Chris. If you want to go, I'll give you a tour of our museum. Oh, I would love to. I'll give you a tour of anybody you want to bring, uh, anytime you want. I am now Director of Press and Information of... Uh, the Bay of Pigs Veterans Association will be happy to give you a tour. And we have a beautiful be museum. Great. And you can see, I can explain there more than I'm explaining to you right now to your viewers. Any viewer, by the way, that lives in Miami can go. It's, we're open yeah. uh, well, I'm Monday say, to Friday. I, 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 will, I will definitely go and, and actually go with you and record, just record yeah. the, the, the piece. And then the other thing I want everybody to know is we're about to get into what's going on now because i wanted frank's view of what's going on right now in ukraine and russia um exactly you know what the the 
like some of the comparisons and what Frank actually sees, what he's been paying attention to, because Frank, uh, you're the most well-read man I know. Uh, When my mother recently found the CIA book with some notes in it, you already, I think you had already read the book or had already, you already had that. I mean, which, which to us, you know, just showed, and this was like an 1800s book showing some of the Illuminati plans. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Frank had already read it. Um, he said, you know, I've already got it. I've already read it. You know, how many books do you have in your library, Frank? I have 12,000 books at home. Yep. So I have to live 300 years to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> because when people die, their family just give me books. I have, I have a big house. So I have books all over the place, you know. In every well, I just I wanted people books. to know that you had you had already read that. And so I really admired you. Uh, you admired that all the research that you've done, not only for your books, but you said that you were also doing a little bit of research in terms of what has been going on in the Ukraine versus Russia, reading into things that I don't think, um, based on our little brief conversation that we had prior to um, going on air, I don't think, I think you're going to bring a completely new light to your views of what is going on and um, some facts behind those views um, so that people are not shocked and they're not surprised. So I definitely want you to tell what you found um, regarding Ukraine and Russia, because there are so many people that do, you know, either they think Vladimir Putin is a great guy or they think Vladimir Putin, you know, is part of the Trump, you know, Trump, Xi Jinping, and Vladimir Putin are doing something together. You know, that's that's one theory that's out there. Another theory is that, you know, Vladimir is all on his own and, you know, he's standing alone and he's just invading the Ukraine. Um, the other theory is that he's actually taking down the deep state in the Ukraine and pretending like he's not. Um, so there is a lot of disinformation out there. And I would like for you to tell the audience what you what you have found and what your take is. You are right about this information. The Russians are excellent to providing us with disinformation. They're, they're masters of the communists in general are masters like that, particularly in Cuba. You know, Cuba is such a prosperous nation which, when people are eating cats and dogs. But one of the things uh, that I've seen, uh, even among conservatives, including some friends of mine, that they think that Putin is fighting uh, the new world order. That is totally wrong. I have here, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show it, Putin, Xi Jinping joint statement. When the Olympics started on February 4th, you, everybody saw Putin there and we saw Xi Jinping. Well, on that very day, they met and they signed a manifesto, which is 17 pages long. I have it right here. And in here, when you read it, you, you understand that Putin is a globalist of the new world order. So all the things that he's a nationalist, that he's fighting the deep state, all of that is absolute fake news. When you read this, it's too long to read it over here, but I'll just mention, they started, what they're just talking here, they want a, a profound transformation of the world, uh, of the global governance of the world. They mentioned the United Nations 13 times they are in favor of the redistribution of power, of wealth, which is something being pushed by the New World Order. They are in favor of the United Nations Agenda 21, Agenda 230. They, they are in favor of all this climate change uh, 
it's nonsense that's being pushed by the Biden administration. Uh, it is absolutely too globalist of the new world order. We already know from before this, this uh, joint statement was done on February 4th, 2022, that China is the leader of the World Economic Forum. And they are in Davos, Switzerland, and they are world corporations from America, multinational corporations, and the Biden administration that they want to do what they call the reset of capitalism and to turn the entire world into a communist uh, economy. Of course, a communist economy where all of us are going to be slaves, like in Cuba, but mm -hmm. those at the top are going to be extremely billionaires, trillionaires, and all of us are going to be slaves. That, that is what the New World Order is all about. It's own nothing, own nothing. Their, 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 their byline is basically own nothing and be happy. And people think that's a joke. They think that's something we are making up, you know, as truthers or truth tellers. Um, but you can read it yourself on the United Nations website. That's right. And when and they mentioned the United Nations everywhere, everywhere in, in, in this document. I began counting, I think like 13 times. And they also said that. Putin was going to help Xi Jinping take Taiwan, and Xi Jinping was going to help Putin swallow the Ukraine. So they already had a pact, and they've been allies for a, for a while. And eventually, maybe they won't be allies, but but right now they are. And 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 also all of this started due to the fault of Joe Biden. Why was it that when Donald Trump pre was president for four years, Putin did not invade Ukraine? Why was it that when Obama was in power, it was Putin that took away the Crimean Peninsula? It didn't happen under Donald Trump because Donald Trump was a strong leader and he, Putin knew that he could not mess with Donald Trump. But when he saw Biden, the debacle in Afghanistan, where we, after 20 years of war, we leave behind 85 billion of our best weapons to the Taliban. And Part of that went to Iran, part of that went to China. They saw the weakness there, weakness emboldened our enemies. And they saw this man that is half demented, that we have a vice president who is an idiot. He's the most incompetent woman we ever had. I mean, she, what can I tell you? You have a half demented president and Hill, the most stupid vice president imagine that i mean the the horrible thing that this she was saying to meet with the uh, the president of poland talk about kamala harris and 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 then she they asked they asked kamala harris is the united states ready to take refugees because now we have three million three million as of today that have left uh ukraine uh, into most of them going to poland but they're going everywhere moldova uh, hungary any place that they can go and so they asked her, is the United States prepared to take uh, refugees? And then she says, well, a friend in need has to help another friend. And then she began laughing with that strange laugh that she has. <laughs> like she looks like a witch, you know, the, the, most, the most stupid laugh you could ever saw. Uh, it's demonic. Laughing like an idiot, you know. And then a reporter asked her a serious question. I say, um, um, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, what is your administration doing about inflation and the high cost of gasoline? She looked at her, her papers to see how she could answer that, couldn't find anything there, <laughs> turns to President Duda of Poland, say, President Poland, why don't you answer that question? <laughs> domestic question from America. And the Polish president is going to, she is so 
so, such an idiotic person, so incompetent. So they say, well, we get rid of this Biden because he's, uh, he's demented. We get rid of him to Kamala Harris, President of the States. I don't know which is going to be worse, the demented one or, or an idiotic one, but it's sad. And it then is, the two of them die, actually, who do we have? It's extremely sad and every woman out there should be really disappointed because this is what's going to go down in history as our supposedly first, you know, first female vice president, first female president. Oh my gosh, it's it, it should be an absolute embarrassment for anyone. And speaking of speaking of our border, uh, Frank, don't you think it's extremely strange that, you know, Americans think that people can just come over our border for free because it's an untruth. It's an absolute untruth. All these people coming over our border are being human trafficked over the border. They come with a price tag. I know I, I, I'm trying to get, I, I have a whistleblower that I've, that I've working on getting, you know, him to be able to come forward um, because obviously he's come over and, you know, they won't give him part of his papers even um, I think he's paid them to the tune of almost $19,000 to come over the border. And by the way, he has a United States, a legal United States child over that he's just trying to come and take care of her. So why do you think they're trying to leave a, a childless, I mean, a fatherless daughter in the United States? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you expect to come over the border for free and not be able to take care of your child and have to pay a $19,000 price tag for your supposable freedom, but you still don't have the freedom to this day. As a matter of fact, he faces, you know, possible deportation every other day. Well, I, I think one of the most dangerous things to our national security is for us to have opened completely the Southern border. We have over 2 million people that have entered America. Uh, only a few, 30% is estimated that not, not, are not even captured. So we don't know who they are. They could be Islamic radicals. They could be the uh, Maratrucha uh, criminals from Central America that are killing people here. Uh, it's, they've, they've apprehended uh, Islamic radicals uh, from Yemen. So who knows if uh, Russian or, or, or enemies of us have come here to, to do us harm. Uh, it is astounding the danger to our security when Donald Trump really, really uh, fixed the southern boundary. And he was about to complete uh, the wall. I think he had a few more uh, kilometers or miles of, 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 and we have totally sealed the border. So that is extremely dangerous. And of course, all this conversation of, about Ukraine, we're not talking anymore about the southern border. You know, that's exactly that, right. That's another, another problem that we're having with Ukraine, that all the horrendous things happening here are, are, are being relegated to us because it's every day Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. But we need to talk about Ukraine, but we need to talk about our southern border. We need to talk about crying America, which is out of control. We, we, we need to have a lot of problems, the economy going down the drain, all of the things that are happening. We need to talk about it. And also how we're losing freedom and liberty every day. Uh, we have a justice department that now wants to prosecute the mothers who are complaining about the teaching of communism and they're being labeled by Merle Garland, our attorney general, as domestic terrorists. Can you imagine that? A mother no, I can't, that doesn't I, want to, uh, the kid to be taught communism or maybe pornographic curriculum and they are domestic terrorists. How, yes, and, and yeah, and it's, it's shocking to me, Frank, of, of how that could happen. And I know that some people... They don't they really don't even believe it's happening like they won't even look into it. Matter of fact, uh, 
you know, I've had even family members and good friends that they're like, this is just disinformation. You need to stop with the disinformation. I'm like, it's here. I have videos of this. I mean, will you just, they won't even look at the videos. I mean, so that alone is shocking that people, you know, are going on with their lives and not paying attention to it at all, as if it's not going, it's either not affecting them already or it's not going to affect them. Because well, it, part, part of the problem when you want to commonize a country, you take over the, the, the free press, like they did in Cuba. Uh, there was a man by the name of Skousen, Cleon Skousen, who wrote a book called The Naked Communist. And in that book, he said uh, there are 45 steps to bring a nation into communism or objectives. And when you do that, the country turns communist. Well, unfortunately, in America, those 45 steps have already been done. It was not done over the day. It was done over a very long time. But when all of our unions now are communists, we have over 100 communists in Congress. Uh, the, the Main Street Press is totally socialistic. Uh, so all of those things are horrendous signs. And we I saw it in Cuba. And we're seeing now in America, which is very scary, because at least when we lost Cuba, we had the United States that we could come into it. But if we lose the United States, where are we going to go? There's exactly. no place to go. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions. There's a, there's some investigative journalists, and I'm going to name their names. So that way um, everyone knows, you know, you can follow these journalists um, if you like. And and listen, I like to listen to everyone's point of view because and, and try to put the pieces together and connect the dots. So a journalist by the name of Benjamin Fulford has come forward and he claims that he is working with the white dragons. Um, so in Japan, he's working with the white dragons. Um, he claims that, you know, within the white dragons, basically he, the Rockefellers came to him through another source. And then the white dragons came to him through another source. And basically with his, for his own safety, he kind of had to choose the better of the two. And um, one of, you know, obviously we know that the New World Order, Rockefeller Foundation, everything is set up. And that that also includes the United Nations. People do not not understand that the United Nations is nothing more than the central banking system's army. So anything that, that they do is going to be New World Order to usher in the New World Order, which involves death for all of us. Um, because I can assure you that none of us speaking here or probably even listening are going to make it to, I think it's what, 500 million people um, are going to be left on the earth, according to them, and the Georgia Guidestones. Um, they try to repeat everything um, historically in the Bible. And, um, you know, it's Satan. It's, they're absolute Satanist, and they are running the United Nations. So he claims, Benjamin claims, that um, he is working with this white dragon um, establishment um, out of Japan, and that they are fighting for a new, not a new world order, but basically to, to stop the new world order from coming in, but also to, uh, um, to just help humanity in general. And when that is, you know, that sounds great. And, you know, I hope it's true. Um, but what, what is your take on something like that? Because he claims that, that everybody has been taken down except for David Rockefeller. Do you classify this, um, Frank, as, you know, some of this, what you're hearing as disinformation or um, do you think any of it's possible? Well, I, I've never heard of the, of the uh, white dragon, so I cannot make a comment on what they are. Okay. But I do can make a comment what you mentioned with the United Nations. The United Nations is nothing but a club of third world nation dictators. They hate America. They hate Israel. They hate the West in general. There are 57 Islamic nations that are part of the, the UN. 
uh, and all of them want to impose Sharia law upon the rest of us. And, and the United Nations is really the vehicle for the uh, a new uh, planetary government or, a, or one world government that is being pushed by all these global institutions that I mentioned before, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, the Skull and Bones, Bohemian Grove, there's so many of them. Uh, and unfortunately, we have a lot of the multi-millionaires, billionaires in America that are behind that. Uh, if I had all that money, I, I would enjoy it and I won't try to enslave the world. So yes, the, the danger that we have is the UN. The UN, not them themselves, but those that control the UN, that want to give us uh, the, the, the new world order. Uh, and now through the uh, World Economic Council in Davos, which is, which is of course, uh, world corporations. We have a lot of excellent small businesses in America. They're very good and they're being yes. taxed to, they're always taxed, they're, they're being uh, given a salary regulation, but we have a lot of world corporations that are evil. Big yes. tech, big tech is evil. All of big tech is evil. Uh, we were mentioned before the program that you have to be careful that, that the YouTubes that you, that you have or other people have, they don't erase them. I, I get censored all the time in Facebook, all the time. I put articles there yes. and nobody can see them. And yet I put something else and that is it's not political and 500 people see it. So, so you know that I, I'm being censored. How can I even one? I have 5,000 friends in Facebook and 2,000 followers. And I put an article there, no one person can see it. So, I mean, of course, I'm being censored. The and also, big tech, the, the Communist Democratic Party, uh, the, the operative of the Democratic Party, uh, all of these people, and New World Order guys, they did a, a coup d'etat or they cheated in the 220 election that Trump won handedly. He won over 80 million votes, and they gave it to a demented man who hardly campaigned, who stayed in the basement. And when he had a meeting, they had 200 cars. When Trump had a meeting, there were 60,000 people there. And then he wins in the election because they use the electronic voting machines that all of them can be altered. And the worst one is Dominion voting system that uses the software Smartmatic that was invented in Venezuela to cheat in the elections in Venezuela. And, and the Dominion voting system was used in 30 states and Puerto Rico, and listen to this, Christy, in 17 counties of Florida. So they cheated Trump in Florida as well, in yeah, 220. But he won so big, so big, that even stealing votes, he still ended up with 50.4, but he probably won by 55%. And they stole thousands of votes. I'm serving on election integrity committee, uh, and we already are uncovering all the cheating that took place right here in Florida in 220. You know, we have uh, a lot of absentee votes or vote by mail, they call them now, sent to factories where no one lives. 16 people voted at a tiny efficiency in Key West that only one person can live there. So we're finding, we've done some canvassing mm -hmm. in many yes. of our counties and find lots of cheating right here in Florida. So you don't have to That's go right. to other, other and Right here in Miami-Dade. And right here in Miami-Dade, too. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and so speaking of that, Frank, um, that and, and some people say, well, you know, why does it matter? This is not about Trump. This is not about just the national election. This is also about the down ballot, um, because the other thing that they do here in Miami-Dade is they also try to do things such as like on on even if it's just a like the mayoral election, they tried to say, oh, well, you have to wear a mask in here now. You know, they try to put like all these rules, all these check boxes. And I can tell you my vote 
um, did not count in our last mayoral election. I keep saying that over and over and over again, because the person that I voted for just so happened to be the low woman on the totem pole. And she got zero votes in precinct number 569. And I'm going to keep saying it over and over again because she got absolutely zero votes. And you voted for her in that precinct. I voted for her. Yeah, so I voted you know for that, her. You know they and, cheated on, on your personal vote. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They cheated on my personal vote. Um, I have the ballot number and everything, and I have not gotten any correspondence back for, from our um, Department of Elections. Um, they have not responded to my request. Um, they don't even acknowledge that I've submitted things along with um, the Mask Up Miami campaign. I wanted to know because that campaign was rolled out so quickly. I wanted to know who actually won the campaign you know, to actually, the, what advertising agencies did you go to? What RFPs, that means requests for proposals that are required to be um, posted by law? Where were those posted? Because I've not gotten any information. And my company personally was hurt by that because we could not bid on that particular advertising campaign. The other thing is, if you think about it, the propaganda and those advertising campaigns are promoted and they're also not revoked. So for instance, all of a sudden COVID has gone away, right? But nobody knows that it's gone away because guess what? They do a great job of pushing these narratives out, but they don't do any retractions at all or just saying like, hey guys, you know, our, the death rate is down and you know, so we're going to go ahead and like release, you know, these things and they don't do it. And business owners don't know. So if you are a business, I highly recommend that you take all of your signage off because you could also be charged with crimes against humanity in the upcoming international court trials. And so I want to get to that. Frank, are you aware um, that there are crimes against humanity charges that have been filed in international court on December the 4th or the 6th? Against Vladimir Putin, you mean? No, no. Um, again, locally? Again, no, not locally. It's actually in international courts. There's some British, um, British Germans. Um, there's there's an entire group of doctors and lawyers who and, and scientists who filed charges in international courts against the WHO, Bill Gates, all the leaders. Um, that's wonderful. That's yeah, absolutely yeah. wonderful. But, but nobody's hearing yeah. about it. So no, I haven't heard about yeah. it. Well, okay. let me. I want to follow what you're saying. There have been a lot, a lot of uh, complaints of uh, border fraud in Florida in 220. Not one uh, state attorney of the 67 county has taken anybody to court or indicted them. Not even one. So, if, which is why now, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, passed a law with the legislature establishing a unit that will have 25 attorneys to go after uh, election fraud because none of the state attorney has intervened, not even one from Florida, no, anywhere. So when you complain, uh, if, if you still have that complaint and you can then maybe contact one of those 25 people that uh, DeSantis uh, is about to hire or whatever and mm -hmm. file it there because then they will investigate your, uh, your, your complaint. Okay, that's good yeah, to know. I'll make yeah. sure to post the link for anyone else who may have complaints below. Um, Frank, uh, and, and we'll go over, I want to actually have you back on to actually just talk about elections and what people can do regarding elections, because people are so hungry for information on this Ukrainian, um, you know, border you know, and, and what's actually going on, on the border with your article. I didn't have a chance to go through your entire article that you wrote on Ukraine. Um, 
by the way, thank you for the research in doing it. And I do plan to um, not only read it, but I would like to also post it for everyone else to read if that's okay with you, or at least let them uh, know. Please you know, bonus how to get it. But I, I, that article that I sent you a couple of days ago, I have updated it now with more recent information. But I like to start talking okay. about Ukraine, something very important that maybe uh, a lot of your audience might not be aware. Uh, when the Soviet Union disintegrated, there were nations that had a lot of ICBMs, and one of those was Ukraine. Uh, they had 1900 ICBM with nuclear weapons. It, it, you, it was you explain what ICBM means? Intercontinental, because... thank you, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Okay. Those are the ones that travel thousands of miles and, and hit you with an atomic bomb. Well, Ukraine had 1900 intercontinental ballistic missiles, which we call them ICBMs for short. So, uh, not only they had it, they, all the other countries, uh, Bela, Bela, Belarus and Kazakhstan had some too, but not as many as Ukraine. So uh, President Clinton, who was the president at the time, uh, he encouraged Ukraine. They signed uh, what was known as the Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances on December 5th, 1994, signed by the Russian Federation. That is the real name of uh, Russia, Russian Federation the United States and Great Britain. And they uh, uh, gave Ukraine saying, give all those weapons back to Russia. Uh, and then we will guarantee your territorial integrity and your independence. Big mistake, never trust the United States. <laughs> like we trusted yeah. them at the Bay of Pigs, like Shanghai say, trusted the United States, uh, a great ally from World War II, fighting 2 million Japanese troops, and then what did we do to Chiang Kai-shek? We declare an answer embargo, and the State Department allowed Mao Zedong to take over China and became communist. Our ally, we betray. Then Carter, uh, when he was president, Somoza was fighting the Sandinistas, the communist Sandinista revolution. Somoza have ordered weapons from Israel. They were coming in ships to, because he was fighting a communist insurgency in Nicaragua. Carter told uh, Israel, get those ships back, don't deliver those weapons. And that's how communism came in Nicaragua. And going back to Batista, on March 14, 1958, he had purchased guns. He was fighting the rebels as well. And the Eisenhower administration declares an arms embargo. So uh, if, if the Ukrainian government had known those things from the past, they would have never given up their ICBMs. Had they kept even 10 of them, Russia would never have invaded them because they would fire CVM in Moscow and blow up Moscow. But because Ukraine don't have any, uh, they thought they could swallow Ukraine, a sovereign nation, a nation that has had problems before. It's not a perfect nation. There's corruption. Tell me where is no corruption in the world. In the United States, there's corruption too. But well, let, me ask you, let me ask you about the corruption. What, like, as, as far as the corruption goes in Ukraine, because I'll, I'll tell you what I've heard, and you tell me what your findings are and, uh, and where we can find this information. But as far as um, it's my understanding, there's a lot of human trafficking that has been going on in um, the Ukraine. Uh, there's bioweapons labs that are in the Ukraine. Um, is this information that you have found? Um, is that, do you believe that what I've just said is disinformation or um, have you found other things? Well, it could be true because remember the, the Soviet Union, uh, just like China, 
they have unrestricted bioweapons warfare. The Wuhan virus was man-made. Mm -hmm. The uh, People's Liberation Army in Wuhan, they created that virus. It was not come from bats. It came artificially de delivered to kill people around the world, particularly Americans, and to deny Trump the re-election. So all these countries have those bioweapons. The Soviet Union had them there. I've read that uh, Barack Obama, uh, when he was president, he was funding, not only did he fund the Wuhan lab, together with Fauci, uh, for those two reasons, both of them should be in jail for life, for funding gain of function uh, in a lab that killed 700,000 Americans and millions throughout the world. Yes, there were those labs there. Now, whether they were still functioning like before or whether they were just storing pathogens that every country has, I'm not sure. Well, Victoria Nuland was asked a question by Senator Marco Rubio in Congress, and she said, yes, there were labs there. She didn't uh, say that they were bioweapons labs, but they were studying pathogens. I don't know where the truth lies. I don't know whether those labs really were just that, what she's saying. I cannot trust the Biden administration or anything that they say, obviously. It could have been uh, bioweapons labs as well. But the, but the what I'm going back is about this uh, treaty that was signed assuring the territorial integrity of Ukraine. And then what happened? Putin invades Crimea in violation of that treaty that Russia signed. The Russian Federation signed the treaty and it violated that. And then the other thing that I, that I think that provoked that invasion is Joe Biden. Had Trump been there, we would never have an invasion of Ukraine. Why is that? First of all, Biden ignored all the U.S. intelligence services that were telling him they are going to invade uh, Ukraine. Uh, they are gathering over 200,000 troops all around Ukraine. And he did nothing. And you know why he did nothing? Because President Zelensky supported Donald Trump on the second impeachment. He never accused Donald Trump of any wrongdoing. So because of that, Biden didn't send him any weapons when he became president because he hated well, the president of Ukraine because he was helping Donald Trump in that well, second impeachment. Okay, so that is that is a very good um, that that's actually very interesting, Frank. That, that you would bring that to our attention because um, you know the other theory that I've heard out there that a lot of people believe is that. Um, Donald Trump is working with Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, even still behind the scenes, um, to take down the deep state in the Ukraine. So what you've just said actually kind of makes a lot of sense, you know, that we have to actually pay attention to of the alignment and why didn't he go after Um And we don't really know what the truth is. Right. Like we don't we really don't even know with our own elections um, as who is actually, you know, voted in, or if any of these people um, ahead of us, you know, that are our politicians today are actually voted in. We, we don't know that. I feel like, we, you know, at this point, none of us really know that. Like I'm talking about through the United States, Florida, all the way through the entire world. Like we don't even know, you know, if our, if our, you know, military is in control and flip some of the votes so that we would have, you know, this one good person over here. Yeah, that sounds like a great theory. Um, but the reality is, I believe that people, you know, we have we do have to take time off from our normal 
jobs, let's just say, just like I'm doing right now to interview you, Frank, because it's not an easy thing to, you know, take an hour out of your day to, and, and I know it's not you to do the research. I mean, you should be retired on a golf course right now, kicking back, relaxing, traveling the world, but you're not really able to do that because of all that's going on. And you know what? God bless you because of what you've had going on, like in your earlier life and then having it again, it's like, you know, I've said, you know, regarding even my grandparents, um, you know, I have one set that's still alive and another set that I'm like, thank God, you know, they're gone because to have to re-endure some of these things over again is really, really bad. Um, so, well, let me, uh, Christy, let, let me just say that Donald Trump has never been a Russian spy. Never. That, mm -hmm. that was the, the, uh, the lies that the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, you know, you know the whole story as, yeah. as well as maybe maybe in your audience. I need to repeat it. Uh, he was very strong against uh, China, very very strong against Russia. Uh, he was never a spy of, of any of these nations. These nations did not invade any country when he was in power for four years, and he did the tremendous uh, economic sanctions in China. So how could he be, if he was working for China, then he was be an ally of Putin because those two nations are allies now. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, this is a total failure on the part of the Biden administration. But the worst failure is that from being energy independent, we are now begging communist Venezuela and Iran to sell us oil. Yeah. And, and he's so weak that he called the king of Saudi Arabia asking for more oil. And they didn't even answer his phone call. That's how yeah. weak he is. Well, even the me, king of Saudi Arabia won't answer the phone call from my so, so, Frank, that is yeah. one of the many reasons I have to wonder, like, is this guy really even in control? I mean, I, I question. I, I don't I really don't think he's in control. I mean, I, I don't think he's in control of anything. So, you know, I don't either. I don't yeah, I okay. agree with you. So, so it, it kind of makes you it does make you wonder, you know, is are there white hats? a white hat military operation going on behind the scenes. I mean, many of the people that are listening to Ride on radio are going to be firm believers of the white hat operation going on behind the scenes because there's been many whistleblowers come forward um, that have stated so, you know, and of course those people, they could be Russian disinformation. I don't think they are. I mean, that's just my point of view. That's one point of view to look at. Um, but when it comes to, you know, perspectives, I think it's very interesting. The one fact that you brought up that um, Zelensky did not, you know, did not want Donald Trump impeached. That is very interesting because I had not realized that before because I was uh, for some reason I was just thinking that he was completely against Donald Trump in the, you know, against him or just silent um, during parts because, the, you know, the other thing that we have also heard is that he is actually an actor. Um, you know, we had you know, the Q drops tell us early on, you know, if you want to believe in Q drops that, you know, we're all watching a big, huge movie. What do you say to people who who believe we are watching a movie? I mean, do you have you entertained that thought or idea at all? Or do you just see that as all Russian disinformation? It's Russian disinformation. We're not watching a real movie. We're finding a president who was an actor, also became a lawyer. He was a comedian and then he became president of his country. And, and he, unlike other presidents, like the president of Afghanistan, that the moment that the Taliban invaded, he took all the gold that he had and fled. Well, this man is not going anywhere. He's in Kiev, or I, I call it the old name, Kiev. Now they call mm -hmm. it something else. 
Kiri, whatever it's called. He's there fighting. Every day he's fighting. His wife is there. The Russians sent 400 mercenaries uh, from, from uh, Africa to assassinate this guy, and they're trying to assassinate him. He's fighting, and so are the civilians there. The women and children are leaving, but a lot of people are staying behind with weapons. We even have 20,000 20, uh, foreigners fighting. Here's a picture of foreign fighters that sign up to fight the Russians. You see the picture below there? They yeah. are all from Georgia. Remember, Putin invaded Georgia and took 50% of the country and declared those two provinces of the independent nation of Georgia independent nations, all right? So these people are angry. In this picture, you have a former defense minister, a former defense minister fighting here. And there are 20,000 now from other countries fighting in Ukraine. And, and every country is supporting Ukraine. Who are the countries? Poland, the Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, tiny little countries, smaller than Miami-Dade County, 2.5 million people. And they're terrified because Vladimir Putin has stated he wants to bring back in Russia all the former countries that were in the Soviet Union. And that will be those three tiny little nations. It'll be Poland, it'll be Romania, it'll be Bulgaria. And all of these nations are helping the Ukrainians. Every single one of them is helping the Ukrainians because they know if Putin is successful in Ukraine, they are going to be next. And by the way, if it's going to be next, it's World War III because Article 5 of NATO says, and there are 30 nations in NATO, it says if one NATO country is attacked by an enemy nation, the 30 countries goes to war. And then that will be World War III if that were to happen. And it's very alarming because you, you, you heard that there was a base only 12 miles away from Poland that was hit by rockets from a, uh, an aircraft that fired those rockets over the Black Sea. And it hit, destroyed a base there, killing 30-some people, 100-some wounded, but only 12 miles away. Imagine if one of those rockets had hit Poland. Imagine we have 82nd Airborne soldiers maybe 30, 40 miles away from the frontier of uh, Ukraine, if that rocket would have killed U.S. soldiers, we will be going to war with Putin. It will be World War III. Why dangerous? Because Putin's army, we know now, is a disaster. They haven't been able to subdue these people. Four generals have been killed with snipers. They are bogged down. They are, they are unable to capture cities because these people are fighting like crazy. It's their home. It's their land. They don't want to be invaded. Uh, and we're seeing that the Russian army is not what people thought it was. It was that good because they're having great difficulties subduing a country which a smaller army, much smaller. They don't have the weapons that they have, and they still have not won. In fact, I believe if Putin is unable to win in Ukraine in the next couple of weeks and uh, is bogged down completely, he may be thrown out of power because he promised these generals, I'm going to take over Ukraine in a couple of weeks. People are going to love me. We want to be welcome. Mm -hmm. Ukraine is ours. And that hasn't happened. So that could be a mistake of Putin uh, underestimating the, uh, the, the difficulty of swallowing Ukraine. And it could cost him his own job. It could. He's 69 years old. He's been in power uh, 20 years. He, he's a bloody dictator. What he's doing in Ukraine, killing civilians, women, and children, attacking schools, blowing all hospitals. This is exactly what he did in Syria. 
in Aleppo, Syria. He didn't in the Soviet Union, in the Chechnya area, like that. But we were not watching it like we're doing now on television every day. So what we were doing in Syria, we pretty much ignored it because we were not seeing that on TV. But this man is fighting. I, I think he's very brave. Uh, it's not a perfect country, of course. There's corruption there. Uh, they may have they may have uh, bio weapons there, whatever. But look at the Soviet Union. Look at Russia. Are well, they perfect? They're enemies of America. They're allies with the Chinese. I mean, they're part of the new world order. I mean, they're listen, worse than it, Ukraine. As far as as far as the statement that you read, I had not read. I mean, I had not heard the state the the joint statement that that was made. So let me I ask mail it you. you. I mail it yeah, to you. So let me ask you a question regarding that statement. Do you think it's possible that that Xi Jinping, Putin, are putting on a front for the new world order um, right before they're going to overthrow them? Because, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, how they would possibly stay in power in order to be able to do what they're doing um, if they didn't sign on to a joint statement. So it's like, OK, how much was that joint statement? I don't watch the mainstream media very much at all. So, you know, and what I look at is when I do look at it, I'm looking at it whenever they're repeating something like that is it's absolute propaganda. So if the mainstream media. Uh -huh media is reporting it i think it's propaganda to be really well frank. no let me let me tell you this they are in the new world order because china dominates the united nations practically every major uh unit of the of the united nations is run by communist chinese so they are they are part of the new world order because they are the ones that are going to enslave us over here mm -hmm. and they have a lot of uh, what we call uh useful fools useful idiots those are people that collaborate with communists, and at the end, they get thrown aside, they get they mm -hmm. get shot, they're on the wall, they put in prison. I think a lot of our corporations are going to be like that, but definitely they're part of the new world order because they are the new world order. Okay. Yeah. China and Russia, and world corporations, and those other institutions that I mentioned before, they are part of the new world order. And you you look at the UN, you see that all of these agencies they're controlled by them, by the Chinese, yeah. not by us. Not by Israel, yeah. it's by them. So right. definitely uh, they are the new world order. I don't believe they are fighting the new world order because on the contrary, they are the new world order and they want to enslave humanity. They want to do a reset of capitalism. This is openly being said. I'm, I'm not- mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 we know. Openly being said about the, the reset of capitalism, know. Yeah. you know? Yeah, and China is the know. leader. Yeah. China is the leader of the World Economic Forum because they think they are going to be uh, on a superpower. We are going to be a, a slave nation or, or a minor nation uh, with the stupid leaders that we have uh, empowered now. And they're going to be in charge of the world. And if they take Taiwan, it's over. If we allow China to take Taiwan, it's over because Taiwan has the best factory for computer chips in the world. And mm -hmm. they sell those computer chips to us. And right now they say shortcuts worldwide. And mm -hmm. if they take that factory, they're going to keep it for themselves. And, uh, and our economy is going to suffer immensely because we don't have enough chips for our iPhones, for our, everything in, today works with microchip computers. Well, this and is if we don't have them, our economy could collapse. Mm -hmm. Well, and I agree with you. I totally agree with that, Frank. So I have a question to all of the the former Biden supporters who may stumble upon this video, if Biden is in charge of our army or in charge of, 
anything for that matter, why haven't they done anything? Why haven't they stepped in and done anything? And then I'm going to say this on the flip side, you know, it would be nice to see something if there is some white hat operation that we might actually know something because, you know, it, otherwise, you know, it does very much look like disinformation because we don't know what to believe. And people are getting extremely tired and sad um, with with the state of our government in general, especially when we have um, people uh, from our January 6th um, who have committed suicide, you know, in prison because, you know, these are good people who just went to protest. And, um, you know, if, if they were just gone to protest and yes, we know D.C. is its own country, basically, it is not part of the United States, just like the yeah. United Nations is not part of New York. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that there are two different, basically two different countries within our country. And by the way, even if the United Nations comes to have even so much as an event in a space in any city, they they are they get diplomatic immunity and basically they're set up that place is set up as its own um, country for that day or a week or however long they're there. So I think that's very interesting in general. But Frank, I would love to have you back on um, to get more insights of what you have. Um, you know, next week I'm going to send you some links to the Ben Fulford. And our Benjamin Fulford, um, he's BenjaminFulford.net for those of you who are wondering what I'm talking about. Um, and then I'll make sure to post Frank's links below as well. Um, and then we'll make sure to get up any articles that Frank has mentioned um, and we'll put those in the description box. But if you're just listening for the first time, um, this video will go away um, shortly after it airs on YouTube. Um, it will be on BitChute. You'll have to go to PatriotsPerspective.com, um, click on our BitChute logo and um, you can watch it on BitChute or directly on our website. Um, Frank, I really thank you for, for taking time to, um, to just interview with me today. And, and I really look forward to having you back and your perspective is absolutely amazing. It's a completely different perspective that I believe than I had actually thought of before. And I'm sure that other people had as well. Um, and, um, you know, I am very curious to your thoughts on what some of these other journalists are saying, because you seem to have a different um, connectivity and that you're paying attention to things on a completely different level as someone who has actually gone through the communist country takeover in the past. And I believe that there's no better value than for all of us to listen to you and um, get your perspective on what is exactly happening. Do you well, have thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for the interview. Yeah. And do you want to tell people um, just for those listening on audio um, how they can get your books? Um, they, I know that they're going to be able to go to PatriotsPerspective.com and get them in the links. But just in case they just want to go directly, are they are your books on Amazon? Or are they? Yes. Uh, most of my books are on Amazon. Uh, all you need to do is just go Amazon books. And then at the top, there's a window. You write my name, Frank De Barona, which is right here on the screen. It's, and that's F-R-A-N-K. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell it out for everybody yeah, that's listening. Okay. It's Frank, F-R-A-N-K. And then and then it, his last name is De Verona. It's D-E-V-A-R-O-N-A. Sorry about that, Frank. I just want to make sure they really know how to spell your name because there are people that are just listening and jotting down the name. Okay. Um, but I want to make well, sure. When they do that, uh, and, and you in the window at the top of Amazon, 
you write my name, it takes you to the page where I have all of my books there on sale in Amazon. The one that I show on the screen, The New World Order, is a crucial book to understand the world. But I also, I have one called Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, the Kennedy assassination, uh, the Vatican, which you have a communist pope in, in power, and the New World Order. That's, and my books are lengthy, they're 400 pages, but they have many pictures inside, maps, so they're easy to read, big letters too because I don't have a lot of young readers. I may have people yeah. my age read my books. And They're great. They're the actually has great. to be big it, so they can it, understand. It. I loved it because I felt like I tell you, as I'm going through your books, Frank, I, I love it that you included all the photographs because I don't have to stop and go research for those photographs. And, and then also many of the photographs are now gone too. So you, you were able to capture and actually put a lot of that in. So we uh, for are, example, in my books, like the New World Order, I use 29 books to write my book. And each of those 29 books that I use are inside my book. So when mm -hmm. I talk about the Federal Reserve, I have three of the best books that I've ever written there. My chapter is 20 pages long. But if you want to know more about the, about the Federal Reserve, then you go and look at the Creature of Jekyll Island, 640-page book, or you look at the end of the Fed. So every, every, I don't write like a historian because I write for general audiences and I want to make it easy on whoever reads the book. Oh, I'd like to have more information on, the, on, the, on, the, on this chapter. Uh, then you go to Amazon and buy another book. If you don't like Amazon, you can also order my books from Barnes and Nobles and they will order the book and then you pick it up at Barnes and Nobles. So uh, some people hate Amazon, they don't want to go there. But anyway, Amazon did not publish my book. They are selling my book. I had a publisher right. that, that uh, did my book uh, from uh, locally here in Miami. And Amazon is just simply selling the book. My books are, are inexpensive. They are $25 uh, each, uh, my books. And if you see me, I'll sell it to you for $20. I'll give you a discount <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But anyway, the uh, uh, or I sell it for 25 you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, they're all there. And I have another, another great book called uh, Trump's America Under Siege. Uh, that has a beautiful cover of our president being inaugurated. Our legitimate president, Donald Trump, yes. not the illegitimate one that we have now. So, yeah, and by the way, you mentioned who is governing America. It's certainly not him. It could be Barack <laughs> Obama. It could be uh, uh, some other uh, guy in the White House. Uh, mostly Barack Obama would be very influential because uh, he always wanted to help the Islamic radicals. and giving 85 billion to the Islamic uh, radicals in, in Afghanistan, it was something that Barack Obama would have loved to do. So maybe it's Barack Obama, maybe Susan Rice uh, or, or other people in the White House, but it's certainly not this guy. He reads what you put in front of him. When the teleprompter is off, he don't even know the name of his own Secretary of Defense. I cannot even say the word Pentagon. I mean, it's, it's amazing. How can you send this demented, demented man to meet with Putin? When he sees me, he says, this guy is the mentor. Of course, I can so do whatever think, I you want. You don't think it's Jim Carrey playing Biden, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> sometimes I do think, I mean, we're getting like a little bit of a comedy show uh, or, or maybe it's just that we absolutely have to laugh in order to, you know, go through another day with him. Either we laugh or we cry, right? One of the That's, other. Right. That's right. That's right, Frank. Well, okay. listen, thank you so very much. And I thank you for all of your hard work in your books. Thank you for educating all of us about your experiences because that means the world to us in general because maybe we can you know save the next generation with your knowledge well thank you christy and uh, and my regards to all your uh, thousands of listeners as well
Yes. Thank you guys. Thank you. And be sure to click the links below. Make sure that you give us a like and a thumbs up if you like this video. Um, like I said, it's going to come off pretty quickly, but every little link and everything counts or every little like and and um, link click through counts. It just lets the algorithms know that somebody's actually watching and reading. So thank you. Thank you again. And um, Frank, I look forward to having you on next time. So everybody also comment your questions to Frank below. And I will make sure that we capture those questions for Frank and we'll ask him on his next interview with us. And hopefully, Frank, we can have you on in a couple of weeks, okay. um, if not sooner. OK, thank you, Christy. Bye. Ciao, everybody. Bye bye. From Patriots perspective. And again, thank you for right on radio for um, letting us share this video and this um, podcast on their platform. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.